Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. All right. So we are in our series, Letters to the Church. If you don't know me, my name is Frank. And uh, today is a very painful church for me to preach. And it's because we're taking a look at the city of Philadelphia. And so I have my Yankees polo on. And yeah, I get the Yankees are bad this year. Um, but it's still, I need something on me to like protect me as I talk about the city of Philly today. And, and even worse than that, so it, we've been talking about how in the book of Revelation that there are only two churches that Jesus doesn't speak words of condemnation to, only words of encouragement. And Philadelphia is one of them, which makes it even worse. So clearly the, the, the city of Philadelphia is doing something right because Jesus has nothing harsh to say to them. That hurts a little bit. But anyway. We'll get that out now. Some of you don't have any idea about sports, and you're like, why do you care about that so much? Um, put it, Football kicks off, and uh, the Giants and Eagles are huge rivals, and so that's why I care so much. Um, anyway, so I'm tired. I don't know about you. Life is very tired. Um, right now I'm balancing a few different jobs, working in a lumberyard, pastoring the church, coaching a team, uh, and then also working on a farm. I have two kids under two. Um, and so that means most nights I don't sleep well. Um, thankfully, my wife really bears the brunt of most of that, but I still hear my son grunting um, and my daughter crying in the middle of night because she wants to be held. Uh, and also starting a church. I don't know if you know this or not, we started this church at the worst time possible, probably in human history. Um, and even this summer, we've seen a lot of our leaders and people who have helped carry the mantle of ministry here move out of state due to work and things like that. Um, and so there are parts and moments where life kind of feels a little bit like, ugh. And, and the strength and the passion that may have been there at some point has waned. And you just feel run down. And so today, if that's you, that's where the city and the church of Philadelphia is at. Again, there are no words of condemnation from Jesus. He sees their hearts and the things that they've been doing well, but they're at a point where they feel weak. They're tired. As a culture, we are more tired than we have ever been before. At some point over the last couple years, maybe you have felt this, maybe you feel just exhausted currently, or maybe right now you are like super energetic. It might just be because you drank a coffee on the way in, but at some point we will feel tired will lack strength. Again, today, if you came in tired, this message is for you. Or maybe you've put yourself in a place to hear from God. And maybe you've put yourself in that posture a few times and you don't feel like God has spoken. You don't feel like he's responded. And so maybe today you're even just tired of trying to walk this game with God and you're thinking, where are you? Students, maybe you're tired of trying to fit in. We all have different sources of fatigue. We all have different reasons today that maybe we feel exhausted. But the encouraging part in this is if that's you today, Jesus has words for you. Because again, at some point in our spiritual journey, we will end up there. But the good news is, is that even when we feel 
like we may have nothing left. Jesus is present, and he wants to speak life to you. How do I know that? We see the church in Philadelphia. Just a couple things about it before we head into it, and I think they're important in framing it. Um, Philadelphia is the youngest of the seven cities written to in Revelation. Uh, and the reason that that is, is that they actually built Philadelphia to be a missionary outpost for Greek culture. And so it was often called Little Athens because they built it to look like Athens so that as people would go there, they would lean, learn Greek culture, Greek language, Greek food, all of those things. Tuck that away. This idea of evangelism is important in this letter. The second thing is Philadelphia was a prosperous city. It had one of the greatest highways in the world because it led you from Europe to east. And so because of that, that was a main way for them to trade and make money. But then also, there were frequent earthquakes. And the earthquakes were usually pretty devastating, and so there wouldn't be much left, and they would need to rebuild again, tuck that away too. That's an important part of this letter. Again, this is another church that Jesus has no words of confrontation for. And this has been my prayer for my own life and for our church. Um, someday, we stand before Jesus and we're accountable. Uh, and even at the, the lumber yard I work at, I was talking to a young adult there, and it's just interesting. He attends church, uh, and he felt like God led him to ministry, and he didn't want to do it because if he did, Scripture talks about how ministers are judged a little more harshly. So he's like, I just want to not do that so I can do whatever I want. And I'm like, you might be missing the point there, little buddy. Um, but would it be said of our lives that Jesus could look at us and see us blameless? And it's not that the church of Philadelphia was perfect. I think it was their heart posture. But Jesus sees the church of Philadelphia has little strength left. And I think that this is where our loyalty is often tested most. When we get to the moments where we feel like nothing is left, I don't know about you, but often one of the last things I want to do in those moments is follow Jesus. And even more so, be obedient to the things that he has called me to. When I'm tired, it's so easy to think life would be so much easier if I wasn't filling the blank. Jesus himself, coming off of a 40-day fast, he's got to be tired, exhausted, hungry, thirsty. This is where the devil tests his loyalty to the Father. And Jesus is obedient. And I think that's what Jesus is speaking to us here. When we're weak, when we feel like there's nothing left, we can still be obedient. So with that, we jump into the letter of the Church of Philadelphia. It says this, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all of the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. 
All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of God, and they will never leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Again, Philadelphia is weak. And Jesus starts with introducing who he is to them. Now, I also want to can, uh, contrast this to earlier on in Revelation. There was another church um, that Jesus only had positive things to say about, and it was similar. They um, were suffering and going through persecution for believing Jesus. And here in that as well, Jesus starts by introducing himself. And I think this is an important thing for us to remember when we feel weak, when life is difficult, when it's hard. We need to remember who God is. Because everything within us, when life is challenging, we forget who he is. In the Old Testament, they would stack rocks that they called altars, and it would be places to remind them of who God is. So when they walked by it, they would say, God did this here. Why? Because we forget. And so Jesus is saying, I am the Holy One. I am different than anything else you may know. Everyone will bow at my feet. I hold that kind of power and holiness. And I am the true one. I am trustworthy. If I say it, you can believe it. And hearing this brought comfort to me. I don't know about you, but I often will like watch Instagram reels or the news, and it's like I see two contrasting ideas, and I'm like, what in the world is true at this point? Jesus is the true one. And in an age where we are wrestling with what that looks like today, cling to Jesus. He is the true one. He is the one that we can hold to when life is difficult, when life is tiring. Again, Jesus reminded the church in Philadelphia of who he was. This describes his very being. And the Greek word used here for true is the idea of real or genuine. Jesus is true in every part of who he is. He is genuine. He is authentic. And an interesting thing is I think we live in a time where authenticity matters. We look for leaders who are authentic, who say what's really going on in their lives. We want to relate to people that we feel like they understand us and get us. Jesus is genuine in all areas. He's authentic. And from there, we jump to an important part. Jesus speaks of somebody who holds the keys of David. And this actually comes from Isaiah 22. And in there, Hezekiah is king. He has somebody named Shebna who is the steward of his palace. And so Shebna's job was he would decide who comes in and out of the palace. Um, and he is caught in a scam. He's beginning to let people into the palace who shouldn't. And he's be kind of making money off of it and, and making a side hustle. And so because of that, he's thrown in to another land. In Isaiah 22, we read this. It says, And I will call my servant Eliakim, son of Hill." Hilkiah to replace you. I will dress him in your royal robes and will give him your title and your authority and he will be father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. I will give him the key of the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Jesus is referencing this story. And what Jesus is saying is that I'm going to be the true Eliakim. 
I'm going to be the one who opens and closes the door, one, in a way that I'm not going to be corrupted, but two, I am going to open and close the door as a way to the Father. I hold the key to the house of David. You may not have access to Rome, but you will have access to the King of Kings. Why does that matter? Today in Christ, we have access to the very presence of God. You can come boldly before him to the throne, knowing this changes everything. Whatever God has determined will not be defeated. Whatever he opens, no one will close. In Jesus, there are grand openings before us. So for you today, what doors has God opened in your life that it's time to walk through? Or what are some doors that maybe God has closed that you're continuing to try and beat to open? Jesus is the one who opens and closes doors. And sometimes that can be difficult for us to wrestle with. Because we might think something is better for us. But Jesus is the one, again, who is true. Who knows all. Jesus decides who is in and who is out. Let me just step back and say, this is something the church likes to step in and begin to take the place of Jesus. We begin to determine who is righteous and who is isn't, and who isn't, who gets in, who gets out. Today I just want to say this is Jesus' job. And some of us, we might be a little bit happier and a little more joyful if we left this role to Jesus. And instead of worrying about other people and the doors that are open to them, we lived in the ones that Jesus had open for us. This is good news. The Church of Philadelphia didn't have access to the palace and the parties that were going on. They had no standing in society for following Jesus. Today, you may be overlooked. Today, maybe you feel like your life may not measure up to those around you. The good news is you have access to every, the God of everything. What people see, what people determine, again, doesn't decide who knows God. Jesus does. When I was younger, I would go to Giants games. Um, I really enjoy going to them. There's nothing like 82,000 people just kind of cheering for one team and, and being in it together. Um, but I would sit way high up um, because if you don't know, football tickets are very expensive. Um, but then one time, my friend and I, after we've gone to a few games, we're like, let's go for it this time. And so we buy tickets on the lower level. Uh, and it's like a different entrance and everything. And like you walk in and you're like, am I supposed to be here? And then, like, you begin walking down instead of taking the escalators, like, 100 feet up, and it's like, this is crazy. And we didn't realize we bought tickets in the fourth row, but there was a cutout there um, for the TV camera to go. And so, like, we move down, and it's the front row, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, is this the right spot? Is it not? Like, we're looking at the tickets. Do we really have access to these seats? We have access to God in that way. And I think sometimes as we begin to know God more, we think like, oh, is he really knowable? Do I really belong here? Today, I think if we fully understood the access to God that we have, it would change everything. Salvation, provision, healing. And yet, if you're anything like me, I often don't live like I have this kind of access to the presence of God. Pastor Dave and I were walking around town this week praying, uh, and he was talking about something and, and, and as we're praying, he's like, hey, I read something recently that says, like, 
Do we believe that God is working in every home in this town to reveal who he is? And I was like, honestly, probably no. Like, I don't, I don't know that I fully believe that. But again, all of us have access to God. And if that is true, he's working in every home and all of us have the ability to respond. We all have access to it. But then it also would mean that like, as I'm leading this church, I don't rely so much on my own efforts and my own wisdom. But again, I believe that God is the one who opens the doors. For you, what would it look like if you live knowing you had full access to the King of Kings, to the Holy One, to the true one, to the one who holds the keys. Verse eight again says this, I know all the things you do, and I've opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. They have little strength, but Jesus is drawn to them. Why is that? Obedience. And again, there is something about us when we are tired, when we are worn out, the last thing we want to do is be obedient. Today, I don't know where you're at, but maybe you're in a season where you feel like you have nothing left. My prayer for you is that you would be obedient, that you would continue to love Jesus and give everything to him. We often try to be so strong and feel like we can never be weak. But scripture repeatedly says that in our weakness, he is strong. And confessing our weakness brings the strength of God to us. Today, if you are fronting and continuing to put on a show of strength, when you feel like you have nothing left, you are robbing yourself of the gift of God to bring strength to you. Sometimes we need to get to this point of feeling weak so that we realize we need God's strength but then sometimes we begin to hide. And where does this idea of hiding come from? Genesis 3. When our relationship with God is broken, one of the first things Adam and Eve did was hide. There's something about weakness that we think God can't see it, and yet, again, Scripture repeatedly says, when we bring our weakness to him, there is strength. Jesus says, you are weak, but you have kept my word seeing people with little resources or at the end of their rope remain strong in their faith is one of the most powerful things that you will ever see. I will never forget my aunt struggling with cancer and everything around her didn't look good. And yet she clung to Jesus in a way that I have never seen before. And the strength that, that brought her with each difficult report, with each day of bad news. It was inspiring. It was beautiful. And I think that's the hope that we all have to look forward to in those moments. When you see people who take shot after shot after shot but hold tightly to Jesus. When we get bad reports, I choose to trust. When the bank account is empty, I choose to trust. When I feel like I have nothing left, I choose to trust. That's where God reveals himself. And so today, maybe again, you feel weak. I want to just say you may be in a spot where God can work and move. Keep being obedient. Verse 9, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue 
those liars who say they are Jews but are not to come and bow down at your feet, they will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. In the first century, Jews were persecuting other Jews who put their faith in Jesus, and so Jesus is speaking harshly to them. They are, rep they are persecuting Christians, and they think that they are close to God by doing this. They think that by persecuting Christians, they are being obedient and kind of guarding the kingdom in a sense. Jesus speaks fairly harshly to them. He's going to vindicate the church in front of them. But this is also a word, I think, for us today. If you build your identity on who and what you are against, don't be surprised if that identity may not be drawing you closer to Jesus. Again, if you build your identity on who you are and what you are against, don't be surprised that maybe it may not be bringing you to Jesus. I think for me, one of the saddest things I've seen within the American church over the last couple years is this idea play out. And many of the people who do this the most have become angry and bitter. And they have no idea how far they've come from knowing the heart of God. We are so quick to draw the line with what we are against. And Jesus says, you may be surprised. The people that you despise may be the very ones that I love. Jesus, again, often loves the ones that the world overlooks. And this is why we need to be clothed in humility. Scripture speaks to this idea again. Cling to Jesus. Love him. Love people around us well. And let Jesus be the one, again, who opens and closes the door. Verse 11 continues, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. I am coming soon. This is a frustrating promise because, again, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. This was a couple thousand years ago at this point. What's your idea of soon? But God's timing is often different than ours. In Second Peter, we read a thousand days are like a day to God. How we understand time is different than how God does. Some say, I will be right there. I've learned this in marriage. If my wife says she will be right there, it usually means it'll be about a half an hour. If I say I will be right there, it means I'll be right there. Our timing and our view of time is very different. And oftentimes we, again, expect God to work in our timing. But he is encouraging those, again, who are weak that there is hope. He won't abandon them. He will finish what he started. He's coming soon. Again, I have no idea what soon is or what that looks like, but I just want to say cling to the hope that Jesus will finish what he started. And what is that? That someday we will live in the fullness and know him completely how we were supposed to in Genesis 1. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I do know there will be new heaven, new earth, and we'll live in the fullness of knowing God. And what a day that will be. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying. At any moment, God could come and move. He's coming soon. But even if it's not 
this moment. There is the hope that one day all will be made right. So what does all of this mean for us? Again, the first thing today is maybe walk through the door. Philadelphia had an open door before them. An open door speaks of opportunity. Even though they were tired and worn out, God was saying, keep going. There is opportunity for people to know who I am. Jesus opened the door of opportunity, and they need to walk through it in faith. Again, the city of Philadelphia had an evangelistic calling to it. Their mission was to spread Greek culture. It's why it was built. Again, it's why it was called Little Athens. When people went there, they wanted them to know more about the Greek culture. Jesus is speaking to them. This is a culture of talking about Greek culture, about evangelizing. I want you to use that now to tell people who I am. There was an open door before them. Today, what is the open door before you? I believe wholeheartedly that God is calling and leading each and every one of us, regardless of the season and of life that you are in, to use so that God can be glorified in your life. What is that door? And today, if you sit there and you, maybe you, you're not sure what that looks like, I would encourage you, maybe fast a meal or a day this week and get before God and ask him what he is leading you to. Because for all of us, again, there is an opportunity before us. The second thing, some of you again today need to remember who holds the keys, who it is that we follow, the holy and true one. There is nothing, again, that keeps us from accessing God other than knowing who Jesus is. He has the authority to keep the door open. And for you, do you live like you fully have access to the throne of God? If not, how would your prayers change if you believe that you are genuinely praying to the God of everything? How would the way that you love people change if you knew you had full access? What would your peace look like if you knew that the Holy and True One was the one providing for you? That's the God that we have access to. And I also just want to take a moment and speak to us as Connect Church and say this. For this church here, Jesus has spoke and created it. Jesus spoke that he was opening the door for a church to be planted in East Windsor in Heightstown. And even as I, I was writing this message, for me, it often feels like the door is closed. Every building that we have looked into, no. Schools, no. This, no. The beginning of our church, we couldn't do anything. Everything was no because of COVID. But Jesus has opened this door, and the enemy cannot close it. For those of you who are in this journey with us, keep going, keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking, keep talking to people in town and inviting them to be here and to know Jesus. If Jesus has opened the door to this church, which I wholeheartedly believe that he did, then there's nothing to worry about. He's going to move in the right time. He's going to draw people to him here through us in the seats and also supernaturally. And I don't know about you, but that was encouraging. Because so often in this journey, it feels like the door has been closed, but if Jesus opens it, no one can close it. And there are real things at stake 
in our church reaching this town. The more people I talk to in it, the more I realize how little faith there is in our town, how few life-giving churches there are in it, and even in our interaction with people in town through Fun Fridays and the National Night Out, most people in our town have never been invited to church before, and most of them have never attended a church before, or they did in the past. There's an open door here. And if Jesus opened it, he is going to do something through it. So I might be speaking that to myself today, but also to you. Then in our weakness, there's strength. And the term here, little strength, does not imply weakness, but it actually means real strength. Today, maybe you feel weak, like you're at the end of your rope. And I want to say that's not as bad of a place as you think it might be. Because it means that you're in a spot where you know where your strength comes from. It comes from God. The Church of Philadelphia was weak enough to be strong in God. And that is the ultimate source of our strength. The church in Philadelphia knew that they really needed God and his strength, or they had nothing. And the next thing is, live for God. Be obedient. Regardless of the season of life that you're in, it doesn't give you an excuse or a reason not to be obedient. Maybe you feel strong and life is great and it's incredible. Be obedient. Maybe you feel like you are weak and you have nothing left. Be obedient. The church of Philadelphia was faithful to Jesus. And because of that, when he looked at them, they were blameless. He only spoke words of encouragement to them. And this is what the church of Philadelphia cling to. Evangelistic opportunity. Again, I have opened a door for you. They were bold about who Jesus was. And again, because of it, they didn't have access to the parties that the town was throwing because they were obedient to Jesus. They were reliant on God. Again, they had little strength, but they knew because of him they had all they needed and they were faithful to him. And as I look at that, I hope those are the things that are said about me. That as people look at me, they see Jesus. And when there are opportunities to share the hope and the good news of who he is, I say them. That people will look at me and, and not see my own strength and my own wisdom, but they would see the strength of God. And that I was faithful to Jesus in every part of my life. And in some ways, this feels unspectacular. This would be commonplace among their church. And even as we look, again, letters to the churches at American Western Church, what is it that we are actually known for? Certain personalities, smooth marketing, you can fill in the blank with different things. But... This church was known for being completely reliant on Jesus. Success is not measured by any other type of achievement or standard than obedience. It's not a rise in position. It's not the number of new buildings that have been built, thankfully. And it's not the crowds that flock. Again, today, what is your level of obedience to God? Today, if he called you to something and he asked you to do it, what would your heart say? And then there's a promise. I will protect you. Regardless of the things, again, that may be draining your strength, Jesus will protect us. 
But not only that, he tells us to be ready. He's coming soon. That in the midst of our weakness, there is hope, one, that God is the holy and true one, but two, that we will someday again live in the fullness of the plan of God for humanity. So that as we close, in the gospel, there's a beautiful exchange. And we see part of that lived out here. You give God your weakness, and he gives you strength. You give God your failures, and he gives you forgiveness. You give God your anxiety, he gives you peace. You give God your shame, and he gives you righteousness. How does all of this take place? Again, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Today, I don't know where you're at in your journey of following God. But all of the things that you may hold tightly, that keep you up at night, that may make you feel weak, it's in Jesus that we have strength. And today, wherever you're at, it simply is responding to the call. Again, Jesus opens the door. Today, maybe that moment is for you. I've been praying that it would be. You may feel like God is opening it, and today it's simply surrendering our life to him. And if you do that, whether here or online, again, there'll be an opportunity to respond on the Connect card. Online, there's a link where you can let us know that you've made that decision. We have things in place to help you continue to grow in that. The first step, again, baptism. Second is our pipeline where we will partner up with somebody to help you understand more of who Jesus is. For those of us who do follow Jesus, today, if you feel weak, don't go back to the things that numb us and distract us. You can call upon Jesus and trade whatever you are feeling for freedom, for hope. And in our day and age, we often will numb all of the things that get us to this point of feeling weak. And we've done a really good job. It may not even be extreme and bad things at this point, but it may be hours of scrolling Instagram, watching Netflix, and all of these things to distract what's really going on in our lives. The beauty of the gospel is that it can change the deepest parts of who we are to bring healing. In Isaiah 40, it says this, Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't know about you. I need this kind of strength. Life is hard. It's difficult. It feels often like you just take one punch after another, and it's seriously like, can I just get one day without one? But in the midst of that, Jesus promises strength. And this is a life of often wavering between strength and weakness. But today, no, weakness isn't something that you need to hide. Jesus sees it, and he says, you have so much to offer. You may feel weak, but I have strength for you to do exactly what I'm calling you to. If you would just let me, I will pour out my strength on you. I will make you a pillar. The book of Revelation should turn our hearts to worship Jesus. He's the king of kings, the one who has all authority, the holy and true one. 
And when I think about Jesus and all that he has done, and when I look to the future and know all that he promises, my heart should turn to worship. Worshiping God despite my circumstances. Worshiping God despite the fact that I may have no strength left, but I'm going to proclaim who he is and remind myself of that. He's the source of my strength. Today, hold on to Jesus. He is your strength. Stop trying to do it on your own. Stop feeling like you need to hide. Jesus is the source of your strength. And hold on to the body of Christ. If you are feeling weak, you need the people here to walk alongside of you. Again, I don't know where this idea has come from, where like when we feel weak, I just need to push through. How are, I'm good. I'm, just, I'm grinding, I'm pushing, I'm doing everything I need to. That idea it couldn't be further than what Jesus has called us to. And I want to close with this. I'll make you a pillar. Again, this region was known for earthquakes and aftershocks. And it would often be that when these hit, the town would crumble and they would need to rebuild it again. But the fascinating thing is that oftentimes when it crumbled, the thing that would be left would be the pillars of the buildings that had been built. And so you would look around and you would see homes and things destroyed, but pillars would remain standing. And so as Jesus says this to the town, they would understand that. Sometimes life will shake us, and everything around us will come crumbling down, but you don't have to crumble with it. Jesus promises is that you can be a pillar that stands strong in the midst of that. In life, we often don't know when everything will change. Your world will be shaken. But Jesus says, regardless, I will make you a pillar. We may think, again, when life is difficult, that we have nothing to offer, but Jesus says, you're a pillar. Why does that matter? When people look at us, as it may feel like everything around us is collapsing, but we stand firm. Again, there is no greater picture of who Jesus is than that. And the goal of our life isn't that people look at us and see wealth, fame, all of the things that we often look to. The goal of our life in following Jesus is that when people look at us, they see him. None of us want to be in the moment where life is shaken, but it is an incredible opportunity for us to point to who Jesus is. Pillars were pictures of strength, stability, and dignified beauty. Jesus today offers us the same strength. In a world of instability, at your job, you can be a pillar. In your neighborhood, as people's worlds may be shaken, you can be a pillar. In your home, when it feels like inflation and everything is crushing you from all sides, you can be a pillar. When you get bad news, you can be a pillar. To a church that felt like they had nothing left, 
and on the surface they seemed weak. When you looked at the heart of what was really going on at the Church of Philadelphia, there was incredible strength. And Jesus speaks these words to encourage them, and he speaks them to us today as well. When people look at this church, would they see one, one again that's marked in obedience to who God is, that walks in the doors that Jesus is opening before us, but most of all, one that when it seems like the world is crumbling around us, we are known as pillars. We will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We know who Jesus is. And we know that he is working and moving even on the darkest day. And so today as we respond, we'll have some of our prayer team up here to pray. But most of all, I want us to respond a little more in worship today. Again, it's in these moments we remind ourselves Jesus is the holy and the true one. Why we forget. Today, if you're feeling weak, like you may have nothing left, would you proclaim who Jesus is over that area of your life, that struggle that you're going through? But then we would also like to pray with you as well, and so join us as we respond today. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.